welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for this third season, reminding everyone that El Cafecito is sponsored by the Latin American Studies program at the University of Toronto. Without their support, nothing of this would have been possible. And now for my introduction. You know how I feel? I feel... Hey guys, aqui é o Guilherme. Vivo SUS! Hey, this is Anna and Fora Bolsonaro. Hola, hello, Cubo. My name is Raquel, and please listen to Vacina Butantan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're here to talk about... Oh! We're here to talk about Bolsonaro. And uh, we avoid talking about Bolsonaro here, uh, but we're going to talk about him this time. It's going to be 50 minutes of Bolsonaro. And today we're going to talk about his policies during COVID, or rather his unpolicies or his deep policies or his destructive policies. And my first question... Before we get into the details is I want to know really, really, really deeply, I've been thinking about this, is Bolsonaro and his attitudes towards the vaccine, is it stupidity? Is it idiocy? Or is it fascism? Because I have no idea what's happening. Uh, can I add a fourth option of just plain evil? Plain evil is just plain I evil. I love that. <laughs> I think it's actually a mix of all those four options. Uh, it's just uh, as a person that is not from Brazil, I'm, I'm just so surprised with how this president has tried or has like, or like hasn't tried to manage the pandemic in a good way. So I, I will say like it's a mix of both uh, of all those four options. Brazil currently has 11% of the global COVID deaths. And if you look at the statistics, that's actually above the percentage of, uh, of the Brazilian population when compared to the global average. So Brazil is above the its theoretical normal rate of COVID deaths. And I heard a YouTuber say that like all these extra COVID deaths should be attributed to someone because uh, it, you can't you can't just you can't just blame the underdevelopment of Brazil on all these deaths. These deaths are happening because of a policy, because of a lack of policy, because of a government discourse. So it's not happening. These deaths are not happening uh, because Brazil is underdeveloped or because Brazil doesn't have uh, good institutions. What's happening is a presidential, a, a president, the highest figure in the country, is working against against the the public institutions of the country and the people uh, by using this terrible discourse against the vaccine. And not only that, but completely, completely mismanaging any kind of policies related to COVID. Uh, we see him any, every, all the time without a mask. Uh, we've had many uh, situations where he, well, at the point where he got COVID, because Bolsonaro got COVID, we can't, we can't forget that. When he got COVID, he still called for a rally uh, against, the, the, against the Supreme Courts and was touching people while he had COVID. It's, it's absurd at the things that are, the level of things that are happening in Brazil. And I wanted to try to understand what are the causes that Bolsonaro supports? Because uh, what are what are the policies? What are the things that he thinks that are right and that most people think are wrong? What are the things that he supports? 
Yeah, I definitely agree someone should be blamed for the deaths. And a new study came out recently from an Australian institute saying Brazil has the worst pandemic response of all countries. And it's definitely not a matter of development. We're the strongest economy in Latin America. Like, it's not just economic. And it's not just that we don't have a response. We have almost an anti-response. We like enable the pandemic in a sense, we make it stronger. And you asked what Bolsonaro stands for. Was that your question? I think he stands for just violence and <laughs> chaos. Like it's almost like a project of instability, it seems. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I think it's a very difficult question about what Jair Bolsonaro stands for. And I think it stands for everything that uh, a normal person would, would be against, really. Um, he's, he's, he's pro, uh, I think the easiest way to put it is he's pro, he's pro death. Uh, he said that many times. He's pro torture. He is pro um, corruption, really. He is everything that embodies the worst feelings in Latin America. He is the perfect embodiment of that. Uh, he respects no individual rights, uh, no freedom of the press. Anything you can think of that um, is bad, he probably supports. Okay, and he he pushed for certain things, right? So we can recall that last year he was one of the first, and he got in the he went into national television. Uh, that was a, a joke when he went into national television the first time because it was the beginning of the pandemic. It was maybe the first month. Brazil stops to watch Bolsonaro speak. And he calls it a little flu and he supports the preventive treatment. That's what a lot of people have been calling preventive treatment with chloroquine and other other uh, drugs that at the time weren't proven to to work and were already being administered by many doctors around the world, uh, especially in Brazil, because in in many ways, uh, the Federation of, of Doctors has been contaminated by Bolsonaro's uh, supporters. So it, uh, it started to support these kind of uh, preventive treatments that in the end have, have proven not to, to work. And despite being proven not to work, Bolsonaro still supported it. He came out with many pictures holding the, the box of chloroquine. And he there are many funny pictures and memes of him showing the chloroquine to a, to a, to a peacock. Or is it an Ima? Have you ever seen you've seen this one? It's like, I don't know what he's doing there, but he's showing the <laughs> chloroquine to this animal. And 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 you can't erase this past, his past of supporting this kind of treatment. And not only that, but he has the support for the armed forces. Recently he said that the armed forces will decide if the people live in a democracy or a dictatorship. And so he, he still thinks with this mind of the Cold War, the 1960s, uh, and he still thinks that the, the, the military is the main institution in Brazil and that it should be supported at all costs. And this comes with uh, a lot of issues, a lot of issues, because uh, as Gilly said, this is a support for a regime that existed that violated human rights uh, institutionally and uh, still Bolsonaro supported him. We can't forget about the moment where he lauded uh, Brilhante Ustra, which was a torture during the dictatorship. And, and this was seen by his supporters as a brave, I don't know how they see it as, uh, it, I think um, 
they they see it as as Bolsonaro breaking these these barriers of the institution and and being bold and brave, but he's just being a violent genocide. Um, I don't I don't understand how these uh, how these policies work, and I wanted to understand uh, again Brazil's struggle for the vaccine because uh, we saw that Brazil was uh, lagging in their vaccination campaign. I want to understand what really happened with uh, with Bolsonaro and and the vaccine. So really, um, what happened is he he was so completely unprepared for when the vaccine actually came. The government made no deal with no uh, major pharmaceutical company uh, to have the vaccine once it came out. Although uh, Pfizer offered, I believe, 70 million doses to Brazil around October of 2020. Uh, that letter from the CEO of Pfizer wasn't even answered by the government. Um, and uh, not, not only that, not only did he do nothing, uh, but him and his completely in, incapable Minister of Health, uh, Pazuelo, have managed uh, to actually hinder any vaccination campaign by the states uh, because it was, since the federal government did nothing, it was up to the governor of the largest, uh, most populous states of Brazil, Sao Paulo. So the governor, the governor of Sao Paulo is João Doria. It was up to Doria to really uh, get the vaccination process going in Brazil because he made a deal with uh, Chinese uh, pharmaceutical company, uh, not pharmaceutical company, uh, but well, uh, vaccine called Sinovac, uh, which produces uh, the coronavirus vaccine, Coronavac. And that is the one that has been really used in Brazil so far because uh, again, no deal was reached by the federal government with any of the major uh, pharmaceutical companies in the world. And when I say no deal was reached, it seems like there was negotiations. There was nothing. There was just no negotiations, no attempt, no nothing really until it was already, well, way too late. Yeah, honestly, I would say the vaccinations are happening despite Bolsonaro because it was it, it has been such a struggle to get things going after everything he's done. And that's what I meant by it's not that we don't have a response. We have an anti-response to the pandemic. Um, like when he was promoting chloroquine, he is still promoting chloroquine. And like the doctor who did that study has been arrested. Like he's a pariah in France because that's just criminal what he did. But Bolsonaro is somehow still allowed to promote chloroquine. He promotes chloroquine to a disease he doesn't believe is a serious one. And then he completely ignores the vaccine. Um, he hasn't, he hadn't made a an announcement or any sort of official communication when we got the news that the vaccine was ready to be deployed or applied on people. He was completely silent. And then not only that, not only he didn't take the Pfizer deal or didn't engage with Pfizer, him and his sons on Twitter started a feud with um, China basically by offending I think some Chinese foreign policy person or they offended China basically. And then China was withholding um, raw materials to produce a vaccine for like this sort of diplomatic struggle. And then after China, he also had trouble with India. He sent an airplane to India to pick up vaccines that were not ready to be picked up just to have a stunt 
even though he wasn't enthusiastic about the vaccine, he suddenly realized people wanted vaccination to happen. So he just sent the Air Force One mm. to pick up. The, the India thing was specific. I don't know if you heard about it, but the India thing was uh, he, Pazuelo was trying to get, well, Bolsonaro first was trying to get uh, vaccines from India. And uh, he has closer relationships with Modi because Modi is also right wing. And he and he went to India last year, so he so he has a better relations with India than, well, probably the rest of the world he was able to destroy. But he um, he asked for these vaccines, and then India said, "Okay, we will, but it has to be done under discretion, because our population can't know that we're gonna give vaccines to Brazil." Okay. Oh, Pazuelo I didn't know said, that. Yes. Pazuelo said, "Yeah." So then he sent the Air Force uh, plane, uh, this, you know, like a secret mission, right? It's on a, a sigilous mission to India. But they put this huge uh, sticker saying vaccine, yes, the vaccine plane, whatever, on the plane. And then the plane comes back from India full of vaccines with the sticker on and people will realized that it was the vaccine from India. And so this caused the diplomatic stress with India too. And so look at how absurd things are going, right? Honestly, I want to read an article entitled Shitting Bricks, how Brazil managed to completely destroy its relationship with the BRICS countries. Um, but that hasn't been written yet. Anyways. To, to what Leo was saying, um, but not, not only has the federal government not gotten a vaccine, they have actively uh, hindered the vaccination campaign and the trust of the population in the uh, CoronaVac, the uh, Chinese-produced vaccine that is widely, well, widely available. That's to use a term very loosely. The only vaccine that's really available in Brazil, that's better. Um, he has, uh, well, we hindered trust in that vaccine for constantly saying that uh, the Chinese vaccine uh, well, in a derogatory and frankly, a xenophobic manner to really trying to say that, oh, it's really political because he wants to show how uh, João Doria, the governor of Sao Paulo, uh, is not, well, he wants to hinder him as much as he can because he is probably one of his main opponents in the upcoming election next year. So he has been uh, hindering trust in the vaccine for his own political gains. So I have two questions. The first one is, so it seems that there's no, there isn't a clear vaccination plan, but what, like, who will be responsible of drafting one, like now? And the other question is, what's the response of, like, the population to all these uh, diplomatic issues and, like, this failure in, in establishing a, a good, relationship with other countries? So I think one thing we uh, Aguili hasn't explained yet is that <clears throat> what happened between Dodd and Bolsonaro is that Bolsonaro has been blocking federal funds to the production of the vaccine. And Sao Paulo has a medical institute called Instituto Butantan uh, that is more than a medical institute because it's also scientific with animals. Um, but it, it produces vaccines, it produces uh, research, and it's funded by the state of Sao Paulo. And what happened was that the Butantan vaccine, which is the one I believe with Oxford, um, was 
uh, produced in the state of Sao Paulo and validated in the state of Sao Paulo and uh, without any federal funds. And what John Dora is doing right now is that he's saying the vaccine is his, right? Is like his, he's collecting all the political uh, effects of this Brownie vaccine. Points. Yeah, he's getting loads of vaccine points. And I'm going to say it here. Doria is going to be the next president of Brazil because of the vaccine, because of what he's been doing. He's going to win. He's going to end up winning, I believe. And so he, so what happened with the vaccination plan was that Butantan sent out this vaccine. It got approved by Anvisa, which is the regulatory agency, uh, maybe two weeks ago. And, and then it started to be administered in the state of Sao Paulo and all over Brazil. And so Bolsonaro was like, okay. So in, in this moment, he had to, to step back because he, uh, it was a political loss for him because his main opponent has just won the ability of vaccinating the whole country. And, and then he stepped back for a bit for a day or two, he disappeared, which people were making memes about. It's like <laughs> disappeared old man that <laughs> talks, talks a lot. Anyways, and he, and he disappeared uh, and he came back uh, supporting the vaccine, saying the vaccine is for all Brazilians and not just for people from Sao Paulo. So there's this whole political uh, dispute. And as now for the, for the public reaction, I think that uh, Brazilians have been really active um, that's something we should talk about, which is the call for impeachment for Bolsonaro. Um, and uh, this has been uh, starting and has been uh, getting a lot of strength in the past month and a half. Of course, it's been happening since since before with all Bolsonaro's policies with the Amazon and with the uh, with uh, with employment rights and etc. But uh, now, and that's something we should talk about too, with the respirator crisis in the in in uh, in Manaus. That's, I think, what's the tipping point. I think now a lot of, I feel that uh, with, and, and it shows in his, in his support ratings, which are lowering, low, which lowered a lot after this, I think 20%, from 60 to 40% because of the Manaus crisis. And so there's been now big calls for impeachments from like uh, major artists, YouTubers, famous people, influencers. So it's going around and it's spreading around. Can I just add to um, Raquel's question about who should be leading vaccination efforts and policy? I think people are finally starting to realize that it should be the federal government. Like when we see the collapse of Manaus and no response from the federal government and other countries have to intervene to make people just be able to breathe again. Venezuela um, intervened. <laughs> Venezuela, Venezuela Exactly. Intervened. Like Venezuela, uh, now Biden said he's going to donate like 1.6 million reais to build a like oxygen cylinder facility, like plant, whatever. So I think people are starting to realize how absent the federal government actually is. And I think you're right about Doria. He's really rising as a successor. But may I just add his not? A hero like he's actually been very um, detrimental to research institutes like Butantan but Bolsonaro is somehow worse so by comparison he looks great um, there were recent cuts to the very research institute that developed the vaccine on the federal level but anyways uh, I think people seeing the crisis in Manaus they really understood that something has to change like that impeachment is the only viable option right now because when youtubers show up to solve a political 
like health public health crisis, you know something's deeply wrong. Can you explain that just so people know? Right, sorry. Uh, so I think five or six top Brazilian YouTubers chipped in and bought like oxygen oxygen cylinders and rented a plane to deliver oxygen to hospitals in Manaus because the federal government was just unable to do the same and neighboring states were just as bad and as unstable as Manaus. So not only private initiative, but just the least expected initiative, just celebrities and influencers chipped in together and bought like oxygen supplies for people. It's unreal to me that this is all happening. Yeah, um, the truth is, at least in my view, that Brazil hasn't had a president since uh, January 2018. We, I mean, 2019, sorry. We haven't had a, a, a leadership. No, we haven't. There is no federal government. Bolsonaro plays of being president. He likes having the benefits of being president. He like when a, a soccer team is champion, he likes going to the stadium and lifting the, the, the cup with the team. He loves uh, ceremonial things. But when Protecting it comes to his leading, sons too. Yes, when it comes to leading, when it comes to doing his bloody job, he does not do anything. He is pathetic and incompetent. And um, unfortunately, I am a lot more skeptical about uh, the impeachment, the impeachment that uh, has been circulating in the media recently, uh, because a lot of people don't know this actually. Uh, it actually surprises me how this this has gone really unnoticed. Uh, but tomorrow, in two days' time, sorry, in two days' time. Uh, the Chamber of Deputies in Brazil will be holding its election to elect the new uh, Speaker of the House, which is, well, a very important role because only the Speaker of the House can initiate impeachment proceedings. Uh, the current uh, Speaker of the House is Rodrigo Maia, who can't run again, and he has chosen uh, Felipe Baleia Rossi as his successor, uh, but he is going up against Bolsonaro's chosen uh, person, which is Artur Lira. And uh, it seems as though Artur Lira is going to win. And that means that it will be extremely difficult for any impeachment proceedings to begin uh, because Bolsonaro has been buying uh, congressmen uh, left, right and center since the beginning of the year. So I am very skeptical about the possibility of impeachment right now. No, I definitely agree that there is a very thin possibility that it will actually happen. But I think on the popular side of things, like people who were on the fence and were unsure if Bolsonaro was actually that bad are finally realizing, oh, he's actually that bad. Um, not that this means anything right now in terms of, well, we don't have an election where people can vote, but I think it's a, an important shift in perception that we didn't have before. Now that we're talking about the impeachment process, I just like to give my two cents. It's just, it's complicated to call for impeachment. And I, I agree that when you, uh, to remove because to remove a president is, I think, a uh, um, it's a it's a critical moment in democracy. It's it's a it's a crisis moment in democracy. It's not easy to go through an impeachment process. And Brazil has gone through a few. In fact, if you're elected president of Brazil, you have a higher chance of being impeached than not being impeached. And so I don't think the impeachment has should be considered this like second election where people uh, realize that they're. That their their candidate is just terrible and they'll just impeach him and the second issue is that if you impeach bolsonaro his vice president becomes president who is currently Morão. and Morão is the kind of man who recently said that racism doesn't exist in brazil even though he's mestizo 
So who could, what, and he's a reformed general. So what could happen to Brazil with Mourão in the presidency, right? Would it be any different from Bolsonaro? I don't think impeachment should be taken lightly. Uh, it is a bad tradition that we have in Brazil where for the for minor reasons, people get impeached. But this is not a minor reason. This is borderline or even not even borderline. It's just playing it's an institutionalized death policy where she's just killing millions of people. Um, sorry, thousands, but will probably reach a million anytime soon. I mean, impeachment shouldn't be taken lightly, but I don't think it is taking it lightly when it comes to Bolsonaro. And I do agree that Mordom is a threat to, not an equal threat, but I do think his slightly better. I don't know, I might be a bit naive, but especially in terms of diplomacy, I think he would do a better job of like having better relations with our partners and securing things like basic things like raw materials for vaccines. I don't know. What do you think? I agree uh, that impeachment is a high, highly traumatic process for democracy. And it's even more traumatic for a country like Brazil who impeached the president not only not six years ago. Um, but I do agree that he has, he has to go. I believe he has to go. Uh, but in the sense of will more don't be better, I'm highly skeptical as well. I think most of the policies will continue the same. It will just be uh, bases. So it will appear as though it's better, but really it's going to be very similar, especially when it comes to, uh, okay, surely he'll be a bit more competent and won't, allow such blatant crises to occur but i do think that in the general scope of things they will be very similar in the sense of uh the destruction of the amazon will probably continue um helping his political allies will probably continue the corruption will probably continue and um this completely unpragmatic and ideological um uh, foreign policy will also probably continue so yes i do think impeachment will it is necessary and it will solve a couple of things but the greater uh, project of uh, Bolsonaro's Brazil will continue in the form of uh, General Hamilton Moura, who that was, that's what he is. He's also a, a military guy, which I absolutely despise as well. Is it possible to impeach both at the same time? I'm just wondering. Uh, probably <laughs> not. not. Yeah, probably not. That's called cassação de chapa. Uh, it's a much more difficult process because you have to prove irregularities in, um, in, well, in their election process, which there are, as a matter of fact but proving them will probably be very difficult. Yeah, there are because of the fake news, right? Because of the fake news, because of the, they call it- Russian the, bots. The Russian bots, they call it uh, the cabinet of, of hate, right? There's like the, the, the press, the Brazilian press calls uh, this like uh, section of the Bolsonaro government and the federal government that coordinates the fake news. And it's like proven to exist and to have affected the elections. And so this could have been something interesting, but again, it's hard to prove, right? Yeah, I think we're just running out of time to prove that to have an actual impact. And if I'm not mistaken, even if if by some magic, both him and uh, Moron were ha would have would be impeached, what would happen right now is that there will be an indirect election at the Chamber of Deputies because there is no. I, I believe the Constitution says that if uh, uh, if the, the the ticket that is uh, holds the presidency is impeached two years before an election, um, what happens is there is only an indirect election, so mm -hmm. it's not like we would get to choose our next president right away. The Chamber of Deputies, again, who was probably going to be led by a Bolsonarist uh, 
speaker is the one who's going to be choosing our president. So really, um, it's really bad. Really so bad. Basically, democracy in Brazil is hanging by a thread. Is that it? Like, I don't or... know if I'd say... I, I think I would disagree. At Right now, I would disagree. Because theoretically, we still are a democracy. Bolsonaro was elected democratically. Although I am concerned, yes, about the 2022 elections. Absolutely. Let me ask something, just because I, I heard a lot of people talking about, mainly people from the left that have a more radical discourse. A lot of people were saying that Bolsonaro could enact a coup in Brazil. Do you guys think this could be a possibility or he just doesn't have the mental capacity to do that? <laughs> I don't think he does, but people around him do. So I'm I'm scared. I'm very honest. I like I'm watching from Canada and it's just I don't know what to think. Like is it entirely impossible that this will happen? We do have a history. Like, I don't know, it's such strange times we live in. I don't know what to expect and how to measure possibilities. Um, pragmatically speaking, I, I think there's absolutely a possibility. Although I think it will likely fail if, if it is attempted because I do not, I, I, he's not as popular as you'd think among uh, the military because he is kind of dragging the name of the military through the dirt uh, with his policies and his actions and his everything, really. So um, I, I like to think that the military in Brazil wouldn't um, wouldn't back him up in a coup. I really like to think that. Although I, although I hate the military and I'm the last person to defend them, uh, but I do like to think that they wouldn't. Um, they could do a coup. I just don't think it would be for him. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and there's also that thing, oh sorry, it's just, just to add that um, Bolsonaro has more supporters in the lower ranks of the military, right? The higher ranks of the military are, are less supportive of Bolsonaro. So I think they have been also really, uh, they've been holding him back a lot. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I was thinking before how Trump and Bolsonaro were different in the sense that the American military was kind of trying to dissociate themselves from Trump from the beginning, whereas the Brazilian military didn't do that early on. And now I think they might regret it because they look really bad right now. But yeah, hopefully they won't have their own agenda climb on top of Bolsonaro's collapse <laughs> and rise to power. Anyways, this is all just speculation. Right. And um, just to wrap up what I was saying with the whole... Um, the cool thing, at least and from my uh, side. Um, I, When I say that I don't think there's going to be a coup, I, that doesn't mean that I think that the 2022 election is going to be smooth um, because Bolsonaro has a pretty good chance of losing. And if he does, I think there will definitely be a crisis because we, we saw in the strongest democracy in the world, there was a crisis of hand transition of power. Brazil has a very weak democracy, which has only been around for less than 25 years. So I, I do think that... Uh, it will be a traumatic election because the, the, if Bolsonaro loses, which he really might, uh, the odds of him just stepping aside and say, I lost fair and square, here's my successor, is very, very low. Um, so I think there will definitely be a secession crisis in Brazil. Is the opposition organized? Like, or not at all? What do you think is going to happen in terms of like, okay, no. Okay. <laughs> The opposition, the opposition, the poor opposition. The, the opposition is, is scattered. Um, so you have you have the Centrão, which is the centrist parties, 
mostly by formed by the MDB, which is the uh, uh, Democratic Movement of Brazil, which is a party that existed since the uh, 1500s, and it's um, it's it's in the it's on the fence, like it's it's support it's supportive of Bolsonaro in the elections, just to with, withhold its what acad academics call the condominium of power. It's a condominium of power because these these men, white men, old white men. Uh, from the centrist parties are kept in the Senate and the Chamber of Deputies for decades. Um, and so they they fluctuate from one place of power to the other, just like they did with Bolsonaro. And then you have the Workers' Party, and there's lesser parties like the PCdoB, which are which are were discredited, completely discredited. They lost made they lost the last elections, they they had a huge defeat. And so they they're just completely discredited and the impeachment process was really traumatizing for them and so it's complicated to talk about impeachment with the workers party and then you have the small left opposition right it's the PSOL, which is the socialist party the communist party which is actively against bolsonaro and has been calling for impeachment has filed many calls for impeachment um but in general the left is splintered as ever and divided as ever and will and doesn't really have any any conditions to support any opposition right yeah there was a movement called we are 70% which was an attempt of like uniting the center and the left against bolsonaro but i haven't heard of them in a while they usually call for impeachment and point out to his unpopularity and how only a minority of people support him yeah, I don't think they have that strong of a presence lately. Yeah, and what we saw really, because uh, we Brazil had elections actually uh, last year. Uh, late last year, we had municipal elections. So it's uh, when mayors are elected in every uh, county of Brazil. And what we saw in the, the they're called, well, they're not called midterms, but you view them as midterm elections. Uh, what, what we saw in those midterms was that uh, the, well, all, boom, most, if not all, of Bolsonaro's candidates lost, but at the same time, most, if not all, of the left's candidates also lost in the most important cities, uh, who really came out on top of those elections where the center-right parties, especially uh, PSDB, which Leo talked a bit about, uh, but the, the party of, the, well, the Social Democratic Party of Brazil, which is nothing, not, not at all socially social democratic, I might add. Names yeah, um, don't mean much when it comes to political parties in Brazil. No, they don't. And they, they are not a social democratic party at all in the, well, in how you see in Europe or even in Canada. But the point is that um, I suppose that uh, the social democratic party of Brazil, which is uh, which the most important figure right now is João Doria, the governor of São Paulo, is the one who has the most strength right now. If I was to point to one, and I would say they are in the opposition. But then again, opposition is a loose concept in Brazil because uh, not long ago, uh, this party was supporting Bolsonaro in Congress. So uh, when Leo said that the opposition is splintered, that is putting it lightly, it's completely fragmented and there's no coherent movement to unite against them, really. Yeah, they had a Bolsonaro thing going on where <laughs> Dario would support Bolsonaro. It's... And then now they're they're hating each other, right? The Bolsonaro called Doria a little boy, like that. Now they're completely severed apart. But they used to be in the in the not the midterms election, but the previous election. They were Bolsonaro, twenty twenty forever. 
Best friends forever. Best friends forever. Um, Until the vaccine came. And with that, I think I we should wrap it up. I think it was an interesting conversation about Bolsonaro and the COVID crisis. Thank you very much for participating. And in case you're interested, uh, El Cafecito is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Thank you very much. And I'll see everyone next week. And now in the end, let's put on the Vacina Butantan song, which is fantastic. I'll just put it on the, the end of the podcast. Okay? So I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye, bye. No bum bum tan 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 tan